Welcome back, my friends, to the Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have here my two co-hosts, Howard Houghton and Paul Lewis. Hey, guys. Hey, Carlos. Hey there. Hello. So, different golf course? Uh, yes, this week I played TPC Highlands. Beautiful course. Um, way It was way above my player level. Yeah, I did that too with mini golf. <laughs> Way above mine. Like the ball was going every place. Well, you're not supposed to take a nine iron to mini golf. That's mm -hmm. that might have been part of the problem. And how was your bowling score? <laughs> the thing is I golf like I should like it should be a bowling score. I bowl like it should be a golf score. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being a problem. Yeah, I do 10 frames and I get a perfect par, like a 72. <laughs> <laughs> I golf 18 holes and I get a perfect 300. It's amazing. <laughs> let's, let's make for a 12-hour game. I don't even count the – I don't, like, keep score. I just count the number of balls that I lost. <laughs> right. That's how I determine whether I did well or not. And I have to say, TPC Highlands only lost two. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> That is one of the easiest ways. I could never count how much I was doing. I know that if I count, I end up in the water. Um, there's a lot of lot of courses where if it's a water hole, I'll just walk up to the water, throw a ball in, and then ride the, the hole out. Right. I know I'm going to lose a ball. There's no point in even fighting it. I just, you know, I'll just drop near the green and kind of do a pitch and butt. It's fine. Right. <laughs> So Paul, you're still in the in the mountains. I am still in the mountains, not physically, but I'm mentally still in the mountains. I'm back in my hometown working as usual. Did you enjoy your Canadian Thanksgiving? I did enjoy my Canadian Thanksgiving. We had uh, turkey two nights in a row. Uh, it was very valuable. We went to the uh, uh, restaurant just below us. Uh, <laughs> beautiful turkey. Beautiful ham, beautiful stuffing. It's quality, quality cut. So, what's your favorite like uh, Thanksgiving side dish? Side dish. We Canadians are very uh, uh, stuffing and uh, cranberry sauce kind of people. I love stuffing. I can't do cranberry sauce. What do you nope. put in your stuffing? Sorry, what, what do, do I put, put in it? In your stuffing. We go. We go like raw, straight to the bread. We we take full loaves of bread. We cut it down. Little eggs, little spice, um, little um, celery, little carrots. Mix it up there. Put it right in there for the time being. It's good. Do you stuff the bird? Yes, that's the only way to make stuffing. There's no stovetop stuffing in Canada. We don't believe in it. No, I, I I do it like a casserole. I don't like to stuff the bird. Really? Oh no. Yeah, we, too much. The the problem is it now makes one solid you know, thing this big around that you are then having to cook. Yeah, that's the and, best part. Yeah, but it, but it means to dry, you, you too much risk to dry out the meat. So I, I, I like that. to, I, I like to slice my, uh, my stuffing. You like to slice your stuffing. <laughs> no, I like to make a gravy and cook the, uh, cook the gravy on the stuffing. That's how oh, I like to do it. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Then we put the, to... we put the hard end of the bread at the, at the back of the turkey, right? You take the hard end out it all falls out like innards. Yum. Well, you just sold me, sir. If you 
want to try an American staple, you need the cheeseburger stuff in the White Castle cheeseburger stuffing. I don't believe I've ever tried that. I don't believe I would ever try that. <laughs> they sell the the little burgers by boxes for Thanksgiving to make stuffing. Uh, and you just shred it up and... Yeah, you just cut it up and put it out of stuffing. So I think that we're converging <laughs> Many topics on too many things together. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna disconnect from video here in a second. This is not good. I, I've never had a worse food. I've never been more disappointed by food than I was by White Castle. <laughs> nice. Well, today we're mixing things. So can we converge this some way somehow with an IT topic? Can we connect it? We can. Um, I think we can. Let's give it a shot. So what's our topic for the day, Carlos? So IT convergence, is it true or false? Fact or fiction? Uh, I, the IT OT conversation? Okay. I like, I like the idea. So what do, you, what do you think, Paul? You like it as a general rule? I, uh, I like the conversation. I, like the conversation. <laughs> I, I definitely hear it all the time, right? Uh, whether it's coming from analysts or executives um, or vendors, I do hear a lot that there is a convergence of teams or people or technology that operate in IT and people in teams and technology that operate OT. And if we were to give some basic definitions here, so IT under the CIO is all the applications and infrastructure and data that falls under the domain of the CIO. It tends to be depending on a large organization, sort of internally focused. Could be the HR systems and the, uh, and the financial systems and everything that's operating the administration of the business. Um, and then the OT side, which tends to be the technology required in the outside world, right? It is the technology required at the plants, technology required in the mines, technology required in the physical world uh, that also is needed. So think, think in a hospital. The OT would be the storage required for um, the radiology equipment, or it's the compute required to, you know, manage equipment in a mine, or it's the networking equipment required uh, in a forestry setting. Like that's the OT side of that business. Now the question is: Is the CIO now going to manage both the IT side of the technology spin and the OT side of the technology spin? And I'm not sure I'm at a place to say, yes, that's true. I'm not sure I'm at a place where I, where I would honestly say, no, that shouldn't be done. Fair enough. And, and, and I, would, I would say that those two, those two arguments are not directly opposed, right? I think one is more, no, it's not being done, or mine is, yes, it should be done, right? You know, like, right. Um, because I do think, you know, I, I mean, I think a lot of this conversation really came out of the, um, you know, the, the shadow IT challenge, you know what I mean? Somebody calls and says, Hey, my storage array is down. And you go, yeah, we don't, I'm not even aware that storage array exists. Well, we bought it for the imaging for our, our medical imaging machine for our MRI machine. Uh, okay. Then you need to call the vendor that did that. It's not really an acceptable answer at the, at the continuing enterprise scale. Right. <clears throat> and so I think, like, I think we do need to get to a place where all of that stuff is considered as at least um, a cohesive ecosystem, right? And, and I think 
I think we should be today at a place where, where the CIO is weighing in, maybe not necessarily taking ownership of all of it, but weighing in and saying, okay, so that, like that works, right? Okay, we'll, we'll manage the storage array associated with the MRI machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to manage um, all of your Epic desktops, even though the chances are it goes the other way around. You know what I mean? Um, or, you know, we're not going to manage um, the 63 little filers you have in the construction trailers. Right. Because that's what you've decided to do. You bought a bunch of Synology boxes, right? Um, right. But, but I think ultimately the conversation should be very different. The conversation really should be if it's a technology purchase, um, at least someone from the CIO should be on the committee making the decision and trying to add some cohesion in those purchases that make sense. What if we look at like a macro industry to which you're intimately familiar with, which is the telcos, right? Would we expect the CIO of a telco to also manage the network telecom technology requirements, right? So the servers that are required to sit in the COs and POPs and the edges, like to manage the network uh, processing, um, it's probably bigger than than the CIO's own OT, uh, IT infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's significantly bigger, and I would also yeah. my answer would also be yes, yes. My expectation be would be the CIO should manage that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it and we should aim for as much convergence of responsibility, knowledge, headspace, and support as is reasonably possible even knowing those are converged, you know, those are diverged business units or business focuses, I guess, right? The internal versus the external supply. Um, but the reality is at some point we have duplicative teams, right? Um, which also means we have duplicative buying strategies. We have duplicative procurement strategies. We have duplicative contract issues. Um, and so does the power of those conversations change if we roll those conversations together in some way? Hmm. And I think that's really, I think that really needs to be where the where the conversation happens, right? Especially when we start looking at companies. Um, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, The Phoenix Project, mm-hmm. but The Phoenix Project pointed out that um, previously, if you wanted to be a CEO, you came up through the COO route, you came up through operations. And what, we, what we're starting to see is more CIOs moving to the COO seat and then, or to the CEO seat. Um, rather than CIOs moving to maybe the CFO seat. Um, and I was just talking to someone the other day where the current CEO of the company was the prior CIO. Um, and I, I, I wish I could remember the name of the company. It's really going to bother me now. Um, but we're starting to see that more and more for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is every company is a software company. Every company is a data company. Um, and so, you know, we really should think about how do we consolidate um, the brain trust more than consolidate the outcomes, right? If we think about just consolidating who we serve, then we, you know, then it makes sense. The, the COO operates the telecom network, the CIO operates the employee network. But the reality is if we start looking at, at people being our most expensive asset, our most expensive resource and our most difficult to, to, to acquire, train, retain and promote, then we really should be looking at consolidating the brain trust, consolidating the knowledge base, um, and really trying to support putting the right person in the right place for the right work. It does seem kind of a leap, um, not to be negative here, but kind of a leap from uh, application developer or storage admin or project manager to CIO 
than to COO to CEO or directly to CEO versus CFO or up through the operations to COO and then to CEO. It, it seems like there are skill sets that are missing uh, from CIO to CEO. But I think that's also the question of ITOT, hmm. right? IT tech versus OT tech. If you're in an organization where IT tech and OT tech have a very firm wall, then it also doesn't make sense for the CIO to move to the CEO seat or the CIO to move to the COO seat. Right. But if you start to blur those lines where the job of, of um, the CIO really does become managing the technology that moves operations in, in some level of, of high totality, then I think it becomes a whole lot more logical, mm -hmm. right? But I, I would agree that if you're not doing one, you definitely shouldn't do the other. Right, uh, and I agree for, for non-technology companies that have evolved to a technology company, that makes sense. But for an exclusively technology company, a born and raised a technology company, the CIO probably is still mostly internal systems, internal endpoints, and not probably the CTO, right? Creating the products and services to which the technology company actually sells and maintains and operates. But, but in that case, I think the CTO CIO role tends to be backwards. Fair enough. Right, I think the CTO role tends to be a more strategic role corporate wide than the CIO role tends to be in right. this case. So that it's CTO to COO to CEO. Right. right, right. Whereas most companies, the CTO reports to the CIO, right? And, and you handle a subset of what the CIO is ultimately responsible for versus you know, in, in, in uh, technology companies, the CTO tends to be more of a, a thought leader, an external thought leader, external strategist. So let's, let's answer the opposite question to see if we find the same example. So, so what if the question was, um, why can't a CIO manage OT technology? What is, what is up to now been the um, impediment to doing so? Uh, I, I think there's two things that have been the impediment. Um, I think the first is no, no clear focus on how those things are used to better the business. Mm. Um, and I think that that's kind of endemic of traditional IT, right? IT looked at um, services rendered as applications we owned and boxes we controlled right. versus um, why do we do that thing that way using that technology? Like when was the last time you heard that a CIO had a, had a process by which they challenged the technology used by the business units? Mm. Right. I, I find that to be very rare. And, and sure. no matter how many times I suggested it, everybody kind of looked at me strange. Well, the fact is we're the ones that are supposed to understand the technology market, the technology space and the capabilities of that technology. But if we never challenge what operations does with the technology, then really all we are is fulfilling orders at a restaurant using ingredients that we sometimes get to choose, right? Um, versus going, hey, that thing that you're doing, why do you do it that way? Well, I do it that way because we've done it for 22 years that way. And I'm gonna continue to do it the way the person taught me, who the person taught them, who the person taught them says to do it. Okay, but, but we now have the ability to solve that in 30 seconds and really you know, improve that process, right? Um, and and, and the, it's kind of sad because those improvements tend to come from outside rather than come from inside when the capability exists within inside and no one asks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's actually more, a more interesting question is why can't a COO become the CIO? That is an interesting question. But before we get to that, let me provide my comment on yours. Um, I think sometimes the root cause is org model. If the CIO reports to the CFO, it's a command and control and cost uh, organization. Yeah. Therefore, there's no consideration for how do we grow, how do we change, how do we evolve, how do we innovate in the business sector. They're strictly focused on blinking lights in the data center, risk management, and of course, cost containment. Well, that's that's a huge problem. No wonder they don't worry about the OT side of the business. Or, F- or fully agree. Yeah. yeah. But I would also say that in those organizations, kind of the second point, which I didn't, I forgot about and didn't make, is lack of faith in the in the IT organization to deliver things as needed by the business. Right. Right. IT tends to be the firewall that I don't have to deal with. Um, and, and there's a couple of ways to measure that. One, take a look at the org chart. You can figure out real quick. Right. right? Um, a CFO, CIO is an outdated concept that needs to change. I don't know. A, like, I, I don't know a nice way to put it. The, the, the fact is this, a CIO needs to have a seat at the big boys table um, and really needs to help drive um, the technology of the company. If, if all companies are supposed to get value from data and all companies are supposed to be software companies, you can't shield the CIO behind the CFO and expect that to actually happen. Right. Um, and then two, the CIO really needs to work on ensuring that um, there is no shadow IT, that, that, the comp- that company-wide, there is a faith that IT is there to serve the betterment of the business. Right? Not in servitude, but that the CIO has the same ultimate goal as the COO and the CEO. If that is lacking, then there's a huge communication problem and you're just going to create derision. That, and that shadow IT, if you were to rephrase that and call that self-service IT, that, that's a good thing. Shadow IT, you're not involved in the purchase and its use, bad. Uh, making something available for you to consume when you want to consume them that already complies to my security, complies to risk, complies to everything else, good thing, right? So, right. Correct, but th- there's a huge difference between the two just in documentation, right? <laughs> right? You can't go, I just discovered this thing last week, therefore it's self-service IT. No, 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 that's shadow IT. <laughs> that's right. You can't go, well, they just, they bought it on their corporate credit card for an Amazon spend. That's not shadow IT. No, that is absolutely shadow IT. <laughs> right. Self-service IT is we have a corporate portal with corporate configurations where they can they can make requests that get automated and completed. Cool, that's self-service. Right. Right. Self-service is they don't necessarily they don't have to go through someone else to consume the corporate IT assets and resources. Right. Right. So, and I, and I think there's a common piece of confusion there, right? If you don't have sell, a, a solid self-service IT that can turn a virtual, that can turn an application on in a matter of single digit hours, maybe within the same week from beginning to end in total, you have shadow IT, whether you know it or not, <laughs> right? Someone's consuming those services on a corporate card. Carlos, you was trying to interrupt us. Yeah. So then how do we look at, yeah, Rumble, like I, it was really good, but thinking about, like you mentioned, sometimes people do the same thing over and over and over because tribal knowledge. How are listeners, the leaders that are uh, listening and applying what we're talking about, how can they start assessing themselves, being honest and saying, how can I put a plan 
to understand where should I go? Because both sides have valid concerns. For example, if you're on the operation side and you're managing everything, you're going to have some reason why something was done. From the IT side, if they were doing things one way, they may be going through a digital transformation or may not, and they may need to start looking at how they can converge both. What would be some, some pointers that we can give them? So we could start with, with a, a really easy tactical one, right? Create a policy whereby nothing continues to exist after a certain amount of time. My policy was every single application virtual machine instance must, must have a, an age of less than two years, mm. right? My logic being, I don't want any sacred cows. I, even things that we couldn't automate that have to be done manually, I still want it done because I want the knowledge of how to do it to be fresh. I wanna make sure that if you don't know how to do it and you're forced to call the vendor, you establish a relationship, you establish a cadence that's no longer than two years. You get to know somebody's name. You make sure that they're aware that we're still using the product, right? The documentation is updated, it, it complies. We've got all the patches installed, right? Um, create that sort of cadence in every single system, right? And as soon as we can start thinking that way, that nothing's allowed to age, right? Then we can start looking outside of, of IT itself into the rest of the organization and really start looking at, okay, well, if I have to rebuild this thing again, maybe I probably should learn, is this thing relevant? Are we still using it? How are we using it? What's the standard to which we need to protect it? What's the RPO, RTO models, right? It's a really good time to review all of those things. And sure, the first time you do it, maybe the second time you do it, you don't, you don't really dig in. You just kind of go through the documentation you have and say, okay, this is the level it's set at. So thus I'm gonna configure it. But the, the second or third time you probably are going, you know, I'm looking at logs, I'm looking at kind of usage patterns and it seems like this is only used once a month. Do we really need this at a platinum level? Do we really need a 15 minute RPO or RTO? Like what is this thing actually, what is the, the value the business gets out of this on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, let's go talk to a user, right? Do I need to rebuild it or do I just need to archive it? The next change I'd recommend is measuring IT holistically and individually different, right? So if you shift away from measuring IT as blinking lights in the data center or levels of risk tolerance or red, green, yellow projects and start measuring the way operations measures themselves, i.e. customer growth, i.e. health and safety, uh, i.e. Um, um, number of diamonds found, right? <laughs> then if once IT gets measured in the same way, then they start to react to their projects and their innovations differently, right? It's less about keeping the lights on in terms of physical technology and more about how much time and energy should I spend helping the operators operate. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's, even if you don't go to, even if the, the, the distance between your KPIs, your IT KPIs and the business KPIs are too, too far for, for every application, you can also look at things like, um, how do I measure customer experience in this system, hmm. right? Maybe I can't fully align it to the same exact KPI, right? Um, number of new accounts for that month, right? But maybe what I can do is look at 
Um, if the average person spends 17 hours in this system in a week, how do I get that up to 22? Or if I don't want it up and I want it down, how do I get it down to 15? Right? What does a proper CX look like? And how do I aim for the kind of gold circle of perfect customer experience? Right? Um, uptime is the worst KPI you should be tracking. Number of tickets, terrible. Time to close, horrible. Right? Because none of those things actually talk, speak to an outcome that matters to the business or an outcome that matters to the user. Define that a little bit more because in a lot of places, those are, like you said, the sacred cows, how fast we respond, what do we give, how close we do those tickets. So what should a leader be looking to get their people to serve correctly? Sure. So my systems aren't, aren't systems from the 1990s anymore. They're not dumb counters, right? So instead, why don't I look at number of repeated tickets by the same user? number of repeated tickets by the same business unit, right? I think, I think those are simple changes that are easy. If I have the same user that opens the same ticket five times, I either have a system problem or a, or a people problem. Now I can engage the help desk to fix that. Either one, fix the system so it stops breaking, or two, engage the user to help educate them on what they're doing wrong and how they need to improve. It's a much better way to look at it rather than just number of tickets. And I really, really, really don't want my people to try to get off the phone as fast as possible. That's the right. last thing I want because all that does is encourage the, the user to call back later with another problem, right? I really, I almost kind of want to do the opposite. What I want to do is I want to take away the time limitation completely. And now I just want to look at how many times does that user call IT? How do we get that number down? Let's increase the time spent and decrease the number of calls. That would actually, I think, be a better use of time. Yeah. I'd also recommend, and this is an easy thing to do, but it, and it sometimes sounds silly, but to add environmentals as part of the data collection. So let's talk about contact center. Um, it's, it will be important to know what the temperature is at the base of the ski hill versus the top of the mountain if you're trying to fix technology that has to do with the lift. So you've got to ask the questions of, tell me about what's happening now. Is it currently snowing? What's the temperature between the two? Uh, uh, um, what season is it in, um, as an example? Or if I'm in the middle of the forest, um, I need to, it's not just the timeliness of the application server to the database, it's the timeliness of the tablet uh, in the middle of the forest through the network to my application, to my database. I need to go end to end. The end matters at that point not the application in the database that matters. Well, so, in, a, in a work from home world, right? The end, yeah. the end really is the only thing that matters. Yeah, the if the we're end not is where you both consume and create. So, right. right. <laughs> and so if you're not, if today you're not measuring to the edge, yeah. um, stop everything and start figuring out how to measure to the edge because right. nobody cares how quickly the day, the application responds in the data center. Nobody cares. We went from 8% to 68% work from home. Prior to COVID, work from home was 8%. The expectation is sustaining will be somewhere between 48 and 68%. And so if that's the new normal, right, a, a six to 10 to nearly 10 times increase is probably what we're going to end up with somewhere in there. Um, then we really need to stop, start measuring in the way the users see the results 
And so we need to start thinking about how do we adequately measure that, yep. right? Um, and the simplest thing to ask is the address. So as an example, if you're, if you're the leader of endpoints, right? If you're the leader of laptops and somebody just ordered a new laptop or they starting to work from home now, you better know where they live to appreciate <laughs> what kind of bandwidth they're likely going to have, right? How much, how, if they're going to get brownouts every other day and what that impact of the technology is going to be, and then offer solutions that accommodate the impact to the address. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, maybe consider doing some endpoint log aggregation and creating a PowerShell script that runs every four hours that, that just captures latency information to some known endpoints. Right. You could aggregate that in, in either into, a, into an existing Windows system log or a log that you create all your own and then see, did that change? It'd be very, very easy to do. Yep. The, another recommendation, and it's the one we actually give uh, providers, partners, but I'd also provide that recommendation to the CIO and the leaders under the CIO is to truly understand, not just recognize, but truly understand the business model of the company, how they make money and how they spend money, especially if they're in fact divergent, that, they, that they're not related to each other, how they spend and make money, because that'll help with um, not only having conversations with the OT side of the business or the operation side of the business, but to fully appreciate what might be more important to them versus what might be more important to you. And sometimes it's just a definition of risk Definitional risk in IT might be reputational, or it might be uh, control-based versus the, the risk in operations might in fact be health and safety, right? And if you're talking, if you're using the same words, but have different meanings, you're, you're, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. Yeah. So you and, have an yeah. intimate knowledge of that business. Yeah. And I would say for every kind of every point that a V comes together at a, at a VP minimum on the org chart, understand what the key terms for the company mean to that person. Maybe the company doesn't have one definition for a sale. It's very common, sure. right? But I guarantee every V, every vice president has a definition of a sale as it relates to them, right? And, and even if you can't align with their KPIs, understand what their KPIs are, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not just about sales, but you're also supporting the, the supply chain. So what are the supply chain's KPIs and, and you don't necessarily have to make sure that your IT systems match those um, supply chain KPIs, but what you really need to do is have an appreciation and a thorough understanding of what they mean to them and link that back to how do the systems, how do the IT systems help support those KPIs or help deliver on those KPIs. Right. And at the very least, if there are gaps, offer to fill those gaps or right? to say, listen, I understand that, that last year you were measured by uh, number of products, quantity. This year, you, you're actually being measured by quality of those products. We think there's a gap in technology to help you shift that. Here is a series of OT solution sets that might actually help you solve that. And the beauty is once you understand the KPIs, how, they're, how they measure themselves and the language they use in doing so, it becomes so easy to look at it and go, oh, we have a technology solution for that. Because that happens all the time. The number of times that you're talking to a customer, even within your own organization, where you're like, oh, we, we actually, why are you doing it that way? We solved that like four years ago, right? Or can, can, do you mind if I show you a better way to do that, right? And you save hundreds or thousands of hours of, a year in 25 minutes. Um, that happens all the time, but it only happens because you 
you actually see it occur. Once you understand how they make money, how they spend money, what their currency means, what the key topics mean and how they're measured, you can really start to become, IT can once again become the, the trusted advisor that they were initially meant to be. So let's ask your, one of your original questions. CIO to COO, how about COO to CIO? So, I mean, ultimately, I think, I think the challenge there is the same. Um, and I'd like to see that more often, if I'm being honest, right? Maybe, maybe COO to, C, to, to chief innovation officer, mm. right? Where the goal there is to work more hand in hand with the technology team to determine how do, how do we turn the technology team more to the, uh, you know, more to the operations team. I'd love to see like, like, you know, a, a, a kind of boss boss for a day for six months where you switch the CIO and COO mm -hmm. right? and, and, and allow them to kind of wear each other's shoes and see, you know, um, how, what is the trust like between the two organizations? What's the communication like between the two organizations? What are the, the how is the mission statement alignment between the two organizations, right? What are the huge glaring misses that, holy crap, I didn't know you were having to deal with this. Let me solve that between the organizations, right? I, I think that stuff starts to become really valuable. Um, and, and you know, I think that, that if you really start to look at that, I, I think it does become easy to go COO to CIO. Kind of like in larger hospital systems where there's a CIO, a chief medical officer and a chief medical information officer. Yeah. To, to, to bridge between those two. And they're effectively, they, they main, main they maintain and manage their practice, but in addition, also are the conduit and relationship into IT to help them with sort of the OT offerings. Right. Yeah. So are there are there like roles in other industries? Or at least have you heard of them? Is there a CM IT in other parts? Uh, um, I, I haven't. I haven't heard of any. I really. haven't heard of any. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting model. To do yeah. that in other industries, yeah. it might be the chief innovation you officer. Yeah, go ahead, Carlos. Will there be other roles that should be included? Should the security officer, the CSO, should be linked? The CMO, should they connect and be connecting because they are influencing a lot of areas within the IT organization? Should there be a connection, like you said, like that? I mean, I think the CISO and the CSO, right, um, often deal with different the di different sides, right? I, I don't think there should be any barrier between the CISO and the and the physical security people at all. Right. They should be the same. Um, the thought process kind of should be the same, right? Security is effectively um, an infinitely sized build. IT security is effectively an infinitely sized building with an infinite number of doors and windows and a limited number of locks, and you get to pick which which of those you want to lock. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I think if if those two things don't go hand in hand, I think you end up kind of cross um, cross mission. Plus, um, security shouldn't be the last thing that's considered in an often is. Uh, we've decided to buy this application. It goes on this hardware. It goes on this application platform. It goes on this operating system. Please secure it accordingly. And then everybody walks away. And the CISO is going, I, what, uh, I mean, I'll do my best. 
right? Instead, it should be, there's a steering committee that's making these decisions. Someone from IT needs to be involved, people from operations need to be involved, and people from security need to be involved, right? And if we're going to sell it, people from marketing need to be involved, and they all need to be involved from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? From the beginning. The biggest mistake I see is let's have 16 different meetings, each of which have a different set of stakeholders, each of which are brought into the conversation at a different time after decisions are made. Right. You can always split later, but start with the required stakeholders for the thing, make a determination that this fits into everybody's strategy, that they understand the, the goal and focus, and then split out later into smaller, more targeted groups. Good. Well, I, I, that was fun. <laughs> so at the end of the, of the day, do we converge or we don't? I think I still say we do. I think we do. There are challenges um, and it might require different expertise from a CIO that they currently have. I 110% agree. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that convergence is eventually, eventually has to happen. Um, I think that convergence, the, the, the more successful you are with that convergence, the more successful the company will be. And I think the faster you can make a successful convergence a reality, the faster and more you'll benefit from it in the long run. Yeah. Um, but I think the further you are away from that, the harder it's going to be. I also think the more hubris you have in that conversation, I think the harder, the, the higher the risk is going to be to doing it. I mean, you really have to be able to look at yourself and go, the truth is we, we, we've made some huge missteps here and we don't want to continue to make those missteps. So instead, we're going we're gonna to slow it down a bit, right? Instead, we're going to revisit what this means to us. Instead, right, rather than the common, you know, the, 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 the same way we commonly make mistakes. Oh, um, everything is cloud. No, everything's not cloud. Oh, everything is digitization. No, it's not. DevOps just means using Python. No, it doesn't, right? Um, DX is digitizing. No, it's not, right? Like all of those things where, where we, we kind of hear kind of what a concept is and then leap into it and dump a bunch of money into it and never get an ROI. We need to avoid doing that and really need to understand that, that you know, when we talk about digital companies, we're talking about effectively what we've talked about today, the convergence of IT and OT under a strategic technology banner for the betterment of the goals of the company, where everybody throughout understands what that strategy, what that goal, and what that business plan looks like, and is aligned in a, in a way to make that happen as efficiently and effectively as possible. And over time, uh, if you take the purpose out and you take the people out, the actual tools and technology will be indistinguishable between IT and OT. They will be the same. So since they will be the same, then you might as well have a single leader managing both. Carlos, good chat. There you have it. It was an awesome way to understand the differences and how do we can converge both of them. So as always, make sure that you keep coming back. Click that bell so you can get notified when we go live. Subscribe to our different channels and share with your teams so they can continue to grow. And we'll see you on our next episode.